welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series about the Sermon on the Mount. This sermon series was originally given between August and November 2023. We hope this sermon is both meaningful and educational for you. All right, so hopefully that's a good lead-in to our talk today. It's mostly going to be about prayers. Please be seated. Um, so we start today, I'm going to actually read the gospel lesson. So we start in chapter 6 of Matthew's gospel. So remember, the Sermon on the Mount takes up chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew's gospel. We just finished chapter 5, so we're a third of the way through. We're going to finish the second two-thirds of it a little faster than we finished the, the first third. But we start here with chapter 6, 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Okay, remember, Jesus likes hyperbole. This is, you should be laughing here, okay? Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you, you will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to God your Father. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, so... This morning, as I mentioned earlier, we continue our look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is his most detailed and most challenging description of what God's kingdom looks like and how his followers, which would be all of us here and out there, all of us are invited to live right now. So, after reminding, go back just a minute, just a minute to remind us what we did. After remind us all of our identity, how we are all blessed, salt, and light, and then teaching us how to live out God's commands in ways that are more righteous than even the religious leaders of his time. Jesus now looks at what righteousness looks like when, by examining three essential religious practices of personal piety of his day. Almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Okay? And while fasting is definitely not as common nowadays, in fact, I don't know a whole lot of people who fast, I don't, uh, while it's not as common nowadays as it was in the early church, basically, don't think of fasting, think of worship, okay? What Jesus is talking about here is worship, how we worship and honor God, the, the different ways that we do that. 
And as Jesus did earlier with the Old Testament commands about murder and adultery and the like that we looked at the last couple of weeks, here again, Jesus delves below the surface of the action itself to expose, to expose our brokenness. And in this case, our brokenness is our motivation, our motivation, why we do what we do. Do we, do we worship, do we engage in acts of piety for ourselves? So that, so that people can see us as generous and faithful, so that people can see us as, as good people and, and so we can get others' approval? Or, or do we worship, do we engage in acts of piety because to, to bring us into a more and deeper and intimate relationship with the God who loves us and the neighbor who needs us? And so, while you may have heard, well, and there have been lots of sermons on these, especially at Ash Wednesday, they pop up every year at Ash Wednesday. While you may have heard that here Jesus is forbidding public acts of piety, that's not at all, that's not at all what's going on here, okay? Jesus is not saying that expressions of faith shouldn't be public. Instead, he's saying they should be real. They should be authentic. They should be for the right reason. Instead of, instead of being about us and about how we can impress others, they should be all about the God we worship. And, and Jesus' caution about motivation isn't just something that applies way back then. It's as relevant now as it was 2,000 years ago. The desire, you guys, the desire for others' approval is a strong one. We all know that. It's amazing the stuff we do to get other people's approval. So for example, and this is where I tell my band story, each Sunday before worship, a band member leads the band and ministry leaders in prayer, okay? And while, while the prayer focus changes week to week based on what's going on in the world, one thing is always or almost always constant. Every week, every week, we ask God to help us to get out of the way. Help us to get out of the way. Now, at first, I wasn't sure what all that was about because I never prayed that before I got here. But over time, I learned that getting out of the way is exactly what Jesus is talking about today. Okay? We're asking God to remind us that this is worship. Okay? It's not a performance. It's not some type of entertainment. We pray to get out of the way because it's not about us. It's about God, and we want God to show through. So we, so we get out of the way. So here Jesus, here in, in these verses, Jesus reminds us to pray and to, and to worship and to fast and to give for the right reasons, to keep the main thing, the main thing, and then Jesus goes a step further, thank God, and instead of simply talking about prayer, he actually gives us a model prayer. He says, he says, pray like this, okay? Now guys, I think when Jesus says pray like this, he probably means it. So feel free to just keep using the Lord's Prayer as your prayer all the time. It's a good one, okay? In five short verses, five short verses, Jesus lays out a prayer that not only summarizes the kingdom value that he's talking about in these three chapters of Matthew, but he also gives us a roadmap for our own prayers and a roadmap for our own living, okay? So today we're going to look at that prayer and how it ties in with the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, and then we're going to remind ourselves of what we're actually saying when we recite it every Sunday. And we're going to see, and we're going to see that this is as radical a prayer as the rest of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, okay? We, I, I'm hoping that all of us have felt challenged, really challenged, these last couple of weeks, and we will be challenged again before we're done here. But we are limited by time today. So if you want to dig deeper 
into the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Check out the podcast that we've got because that includes the five sermons that we did on the Lord's Prayer last year. And you can just go to our, our website and that'll lead you right to the podcast. So not only is this prayer the centerpiece of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but, it, but it's evenly divided into two parts, okay? After the introduction, um, which tells us who we're praying for, who we're praying to, we have three petitions that address God, God's holiness, God's kingdom, God's will, and then we have three petitions that deal with humanity, our daily needs, forgiveness, and leading. And these, and these two parts, surprisingly, well, actually not surprisingly at all, these two parts coincide exactly with Jesus' two most important commandments, right? To love God, to love our neighbor. And, and as we said for the last couple of weeks, those two commandments undergird everything that Jesus is telling us in this Sermon on the Mount. So everything ties, ties together. It all ties back to those two commandments, love God, love your neighbor. If we can get that right, we've got it. We can live as disciples of Jesus in this world. So we start out with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And note, um, once again, once again, we always start with identity. We always start with identity, who God is and who we are. And those two things are always connected. We always identify ourselves in relationship to who we are and whose we are. And here, Jesus invites his followers to share in the same intimate relationship with God that Jesus has, right? We pray to our Father. We are called to approach God just like Jesus does, as beloved children of God, okay? That's pretty cool that we and Jesus are on the same plane here. We all have a common Father, and that common Father is God. And that's got to be. It's got to be a really comforting reminder of who we are, okay? But at the same time, the corporate, the, the communal nature of this prayer should challenge us. It's our Father, okay? It's not my Father, which means first that this is not a prayer about just my individual relationship with God. There are many Christians that will tell you that it's all a, an individual relationship between you and God, and that's really key, and that's the important thing. Uh-uh, not in this prayer. None of this is an individual relationship with God. It's all communal. So this is a very personal prayer, but it's never a private prayer. Never a private prayer, okay? Second, when we pray to God, our Father, we implicitly, we implicitly recognize that all people, all people are God's children, right? That's where the R comes from. And that includes people who are different than us. That includes people we may not like all that much, right? It includes all people. And, and so just last week, we looked at how Jesus calls us to love all people, even our enemies. And today, he reinforces that teaching with this prayer. He reinforces it with this prayer. So whenever we pray to our Father, we are praying with and on behalf of all God's children even those of God's children that we would consider our enemies. All, it all ties together. We move on. Your kingdom come, your will be done. These two petitions go together because where God's will is done, God's kingdom exists, okay? God's kingdom is present. And just as the Lord's Prayer is the center of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and if you check in the Bible, you'll find it occurs just about at the center, okay? Just as the Lord's Prayer is the center of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, so this petition is the heart, the heart of the prayer, okay? We've been, we've been talking for weeks now about how God's kingdom, God's, God's reclamation project to bring the entire world who's kind of gone astray and gone all over the place, bring that entire world back to God, that's at the heart 
of Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. Remember, what are those first two words, or the first words that Jesus says, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near, and that's, that's, that's his entire ministry. That's why, that's why he's here, okay? Well, here we pray, thy kingdom come. And we're asking, we're asking something really important. We're asking God to let us be a part of all that Jesus is doing, right? We, we don't want to sit idly by and let God bring in God's kingdom on God's own. Instead, we're telling God that we want to be, we want to be kingdom agents. We want to partner with God to make this world more of what God originally designed it to be. We don't just pray and then sit idly by. We pray and then we act. Moreover, think about, think about what it means for this prayer to be right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Right in the middle of the sermon where Jesus teaches his followers how we live God's kingdom values right in the middle of the world that lives differently. How we learn to drive on the left side of the road while the rest of the world is driving on the right. We cannot pray your kingdom come without implicitly telling God we're all in. We're all in with everything that Jesus is teaching us in this sermon, right? We can't pray that without saying, yeah, okay, I agree. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to try this. We're all in to being salt and light. We're all in to living in a way that's more righteous than the religious leaders. We're all in with loving our enemies and trusting God and all the stuff that we're going to hear about over the next couple of weeks. Because living, living like Jesus calls us to live in the Sermon on the Mount, that's, that's living God's kingdom on earth. So when we say God's kingdom come, we're called to live exactly that way. Similarly, when we pray that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're again praying for God's help to live out the kingdom values that Jesus is teaching and talking about in this sermon. After all, they reflect God's will for our lives, right? That's ex Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's exactly what Jesus is trying to do here, transform our hearts so that we become more like Jesus. And part of that transformation involves us increasingly want, wanting what God wants, right? As we become more like God, we will find ourselves increasingly wanting what God wants. Our will will become more and more like God's will, even when it's hard. And, and we know that it's, it's often, often hard, and that's why Jesus not only talks about it, he shows us how to live it. Because sometimes our will and God's will don't coincide. But we remember that just like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, we pray that we surrender our will and ask for God's will to be done, even when it's really hard. So now, now only, only after we've prayed for God's help to love God with all our hearts and our souls and our minds, that first, first of the, the two really important commandments, only now do we turn to focus on ourselves and our neighbors. The second commandment to love our neighbors is ourselves. And we start out with a deceptively simple request. Deceptively simple. Give us today our daily bread. Sounds really easy, right? Sounds really simple. First, when we speak of bread, the term actually includes, and, and this we know, it actually includes everything we need for our daily existence. All the essentials, food, clothing, shelter, all the essentials. Note also that we're praying for our daily bread, okay? Not our daily cake, Okay, not our daily cake. We're praying for what we need, not for maybe everything we may want, right? And this prayer, in, right away, right away, it's really hard. This prayer request presents a huge challenge in our culture. Our culture, which is constantly emphasizing acquiring more and more and better and better. We're asking God to help us be content with what we have. If we've got the, if we've got the essentials, Lord, help me be content with that. 
and not continually asking for more and more and more. So does this petition, I was just in back talking to the, to the Sunday school group about this. So does this petition about daily bread remind anyone of an Old Testament story about God providing bread? Anybody? Well, don't just nod your head. What? That's exactly right, man in the desert. Thank you, my plant. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus' first hearers would have immediately thought, because, because throughout Matthew, Jesus is presented as a new Moses, but Jesus' first hearers would have immediately thought of God's miraculously, miraculous provision of manna, a bread-like substance, um, which helped the Israelites survive in the desert for 40 years, or for a really long time. And they would remember that each day, God provided only what was needed for that day. You, you, you would collect only what you needed for that day. And if someone tried to collect more, anybody remember what happens? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I think I heard it. It would rot. That's it. The extra would rot, okay, because, because God asked, collect only what you need for the day. So when we pray this petition, we are recognizing our dependence on God for everything that we need. Moreover, moreover, we're committing to trust God to provide just enough for what we need now, our bread for today, and then to provide again what we need for tomorrow, and then for the next day, and for the day after that, you know? And that's, that sounds easy, but it's really a lot harder to say because we are essentially hoarders, okay? And we're gonna look, we're gonna look a, lot, a lot deeper next week about trusting um, God when we look at trust and money, two of my favorite topics, okay? And then once again, then once again, there's the communal. It doesn't get any easier. There's the communal nature of this petition. Our, our daily bread, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but until I started thinking about this, when I prayed for our daily bread, I was really praying for my daily bread. I didn't really think about it any other way. But it means that we're, we're not just praying for, for what we need or what I need. Rather, I'm praying for the needs of God's children everywhere. You know, all those children that I'm talking to our Father with, which makes me see that not everyone understands this prayer in the same way. Not everyone sees it the same way. For me, and I'm guessing for most of you out there, uncertainty about our next meal is not something that we're really concerned about, okay? It's, but even though, even though I don't have to worry about my next meal, there are lots of people who do. There are lots of people who do. Indeed, most of the people to whom Jesus originally taught this prayer lived subsistence lives, okay? They lived from day to day and they were never certain where tomorrow's food would come from. And of course, there are millions and millions of people in our world today, who, who some in our own backyards, for whom this prayer really, really resonates. They too have no clue as to where, where they'll get bread from today, much less from tomorrow and the day after and, and all the days after that. Think, for example, of the, the people in Africa who have been dealing with, with multi-year famines or the, or the thousands of immigrants who are coming across our southern border with absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, or the people who, have, who are struggling with the, the earthquake that was, that was in Afghanistan yesterday or the, the terrible stuff that's going on in, in Gaza and in Israel today, you know, Food is probably the last thing they're thinking of, food for tomorrow. They're probably just thinking about life for today and loved ones for right now. Even think about the, we don't have to go that far. The kids in Fairmont, 95% of whom are eligible for free daily lunches, right? People, people in our backyards, people around the world for whom this prayer, give us our daily bread, is really, really meaningful because they don't know where today's bread is coming for and they have no clue as where tomorrow's coming. I hope you know where I'm going with this. 
and oh, you do because I put the, the, the slide is up on the thing. When we pray for our daily bread, even though we may not, okay, I may not be concerned about my next meal, we're praying for all those people who are. And this we know, and it, and it resonates throughout this entire prayer and every single time we pray. When we pray for something, people, God delights. God just delights in using us to answer our own prayers. God delights in using us to answer our own prayers. So do not pray for something if you do not expect to be at least part of the answer to your own prayer. So today we ask ourselves, how? How can we be a part of making certain that our brothers and sisters all around the globe receive the bread and the other essentials that they need to live each day? How can, how can we be part of the answer to the prayers for daily bread for all people? That's a lot. It's a lot in that one little phrase, give us our daily bread, right? And if you think the prayer gets easier after that, we made it over the hump, now it's, now it's all downhill, think again. Because we next pray to God to forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Stop and think about that. That's not any easier. That's hard. Jesus has already talked about the importance of forgiveness, right? The Beatitudes, we talked about blessing the merciful and the peacemakers just last week. We talked about our call to avoid violent retaliation, to love our enemies. There is a whole boatload of forgiveness bottled up in those things. And Jesus, Jesus comes back to forgiveness all over the place in Matthew's gospel again and again. He answers Peter's questions about how many times we have to forget, basically forgive, basically saying there is no limit. There is no limit. He tells the story about the, the, the merciful God and the merciful king and then the very unmerciful servant. And it culminates. It culminates with his statement during that last supper he has with the disciples. His blood will be poured out for the forgiveness of many. Jesus doesn't just talk. He then walks and shows us how we are to live this prayer that he teaches us. Jesus knows that forgiveness is key to what it means to live as Jesus' disciples in this world. And Jesus also knows, because he's living it, Jesus also knows that sometimes forgiveness is really, really, really hard. So despite Jesus' words at the end of this prayer, not for a moment do I believe that God will refuse to forgive us if we can't or don't forgive others. Forgiveness, just like love, is part of God's very nature. But just like Jesus did with some of the other hyperbole he used in this sermon, we need to take this idea of forgiving others really seriously. We need to take it really seriously. As God's children, it is part of our calling, part of, our, part of the way we do God's will, part of the way we bring in God's kingdom, part of the way we make God's name holy. It's to forgive. It's to forgive others as God forgives us. It's just like, just like loving our enemies. It's just like praying for those who, who persecute us. It's one of those key things that makes us stand out from the rest of the world because the rest of the world doesn't act like that, okay? But it's also one of those things that we simply cannot often, usually, ever do by ourselves. And it's why we pray this petition, to ask God to give us the grace that we need to help us do what sometimes seems impossible, to forgive others just as God forgives us. Finally, lead us into temptation, but deliver us Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, we know that our world is full of temptation and evil, and there's so much I could say about this petition, but I want to say one thing, because I'm already running out of time. I simply want to emphasize this one thing. 
the three most important words in this petition are the first three, and lead us, and lead us. We pray that God will lead us, not just, not just when we're near temptation, but all the time. We pray that God will lead us in the way God wants us to go, in the ways that correspond to God's will for us and not our own will, right? And of course, think about it, guys. That's exactly what it means to be a disciple. That it's exactly what it means to be a disciple, which is exactly what Jesus is talking about throughout this entire sermon, how we can be his followers, how we can be his disciples. Disciples follow where their rabbi leads, right? And so when we're praying for our rabbi to lead us, we're also implicitly promising that we will follow. What's the purpose of asking someone to lead you if you're not then going to follow, right? Which is why uh, here at Cross of Glory, and for those of you who have been here at all, you know that we say the Lord's Prayer just a bit differently than, than some other places that you will say it. The original Greek doesn't include any punctuation, so we've added this comma, right? You can see how we added it. I show you on the, on the screen up there. Instead of the phrase, lead us not into temptation, we say it this way, lead us not into temptation, right? Just, it's amazing how much of a difference that one little comment, and it helps, helps me understand and see this petition way, way differently, because now the focus is clearly on God leading. Not so much where God is leading, but simply putting our lives in God's hands as God leads us wherever God would have us to go. So, in a little while, right before we join together in communion, we're gonna recite this prayer together. It's a powerful prayer, and, and there may be parts of it you don't want to say, because now that you know that you're committing to do stuff almost every single time you say one of these petitions, don't say it if you don't mean it. But if you do say it, recognize that you're telling God that you're all in. You're all in. You want to live this, this prayer. You want to be transformed by this prayer, because we know, we know that when we understand what we're saying, this, this prayer can transform us. And it can do more than transform us. It can transform our world. Next week, money and worry. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Uzardo engineered the sound. Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties. And I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.